New sponsor alert. Support for today's episode comes from True Classic. This brand new sponsor is the absolute best fitting t-shirts a man can buy. Finding the right t-shirt or a little bit of dad bod is incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are either way too tight on your gut or look way too big and boxy. You're not in high school anymore and it's time to upgrade. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit for an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they can offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off using code DOINK at trueclassic.com. Not only are you finally getting a t-shirt designed for your male body, but the first thing you'll notice is how big and soft it is. Get ready to make a thrift shop run because you won't be able to go back to cheap materials once you try these. It's about time you learn how to dress yourself properly. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com with code DOINK. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. Stay classy with True Classic. Your dad bod better will. help. Thank you. Hey, everyone. You know Brendan and Eric take football very seriously, but there's something we should be taking even more seriously, and that is your mental health. Some people think you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that could be not be further from the truth. With BetterHelp, you have access to over 20,000 licensed therapists. It's not crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. One of the biggest advantages of BetterHelp is how quickly you can start talking to a licensed professional. If you have looked for a therapist in the area, you can you know it's, it can even take weeks or even months just to find someone that you're comfortable talking to. With BetterHelp, it can take as little as 48 hours and it is easy to change therapists if needed. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year, so get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash podcast. And we want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Double Doink Podcast. My name is Brendan Deke. Thank you so much for tuning in today, guys. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. It's really awesome to see all these subscriber numbers going up. So greatly appreciate that. Keep hitting that subscribe button. It's awesome to see. We are concluding our division preview series. Thanks so much for hopping on the ride with us. It's been awesome. We are seven through one left to go. We're obviously saying the best for last, NFC East. Eric is with me. Eric, how we doing? Good, man. Good. We are two sleeps away. Last division preview. It's it's here. It's here. We're here. If football season is, again, 48 hours away from about now. The pregame show will be kicking off. You guys will be hearing this one day away. So it's it's full on football season. I've already got my eight touchdowns locked in. Well, sort of locked in for Thursday night. Um, I will not be able to do articles. So just a kind of an off note. I did tweet this out. If you're looking for my anytime touchdown picks this year, for the first six to eight weeks, it will be done through Twitter. Um, I will be tweeting them out two hours before each game. So two hour, 11 a.m. on Sundays. Um, and then it will be for the, uh, yeah, so 11 a.m. on Sundays, two hours before every primetime game. And then the, maybe articles for the score will be coming. We're still in talks with that. Got to get through my training and whatnot, but it looks like I'm going to be able to write pieces for them at a future date. But for now, it's just going to be on Twitter. Been doing it for two seasons. Looking forward for another third year. Looking forward to uh, cashing some winners. Again, I already think I know who I'm picking for Thursday. And uh, I've already dove on a Sunday. Eric, are you ready to go, NFC East? Let's do it. Okay, why don't I kick us off with the Washington football team. We are talking, I am calling them the football team. I refuse to call them the Washington Commanders. That's what they're going to be known on the Double Doing Podcast. I hate Run. both names. Yeah. I I don't. I actually like the football team more than the Commanders. Obviously. Yeah. But I, also, I, football team's bad. I, I hate the Commanders. I think it was an awful name. I can't believe they went that way. Anyways, this organization, many question, questionable decisions that this organization 
has done over the last 20 years. Anyways, Ron Rivera returns for his third season as head coach. Warren, this guy's going to start winning some football games. He's going into crunch time here. He's 14 and 19 through two seasons. So two seven-win seasons. Um, won the NFC East back in 2020. I don't know if you can remember. I, I forgot it when I was going to today. I forgot they won it at seven and nine. Yeah, yeah. because of Doug Peterson. Because Doug Peterson benched uh, Jalen Hurts and put Nick Sud- uh, Nate Sudfeld in. And I believe you had you had a future bet on the New York Giants winning the NFCs. I believe listeners would, uh, if you can remember that one, that was a very entertaining rant Warner had on the podcast after. Anyways, 14 and 19 through two seasons. It's time for Ron Rivera. He's got to start putting some wins on the board here. He could be on the hot seat after this year if he doesn't get a winning season. The Washington football team will be led by none other than Warner's boy Carson Wentz. They traded two third-round picks for him, Warner. He's now the starting quarterback. I have a question for you. Okay. I was going to use it with my Giants preview, but since we're starting with Washington, would you rather have for the 2022 season Carson Wentz or Daniel Jones as your quarterback? Carson Wentz. Okay. I disagree. Okay. Well, you hate Carson Wentz, so um, you would really rather have Daniel Jones or Carson Wentz as your quarterback for this season? I would. I think that Daniel Jones has a ceiling. I think Carson Wentz... Is ne- is never gonna get it done. Anyway, I think that's insane. You're insane. Anyways, Carson Wentz, starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders. They traded two third round picks. A Washington football team. They traded two first third round picks. I've already started two third round picks for him this offseason. Um, you could argue that it was too much. I probably can buy that. They probably gave way too much to trade for him. He is due twenty eight million dollars this year, so they they obviously got that contract back. Their offense. They added Jahan Dotson the first round this year. He's gonna be slotting in. As wide receiver number two, Curtis Samuel is back healthy for them. So he they they signed him to a big free agency contract. Was it last year or two years ago? Last year. Last year. He was he wasn't able to get on the field much at all last year. So he be slotting into third wide receiver. I think Terry McLaurin, John Dotson, Curtis Samuel is a pretty good wide receiver trio, right? That's not that's above yeah. average in the NFL. And then Logan Thomas is a pretty good tight end. Like Wentz has weapons to work with here. This is argued Carson Wentz's best weapon group that he's had. Since entering the NFL, you can argue maybe 2017, you had Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Torrey Smith, the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. But this is pretty darn good as well. Yeah, Jahan Dotson, a rookie. We'll see what we get from him. Ron Rivera in his past has proven he doesn't love playing rookies. Diami Brown was their third-round pick last year. He was supposed to have a part in that offense yeah. last year. He was invisible. He was disappointing last year. But I think that was also Ron Rivera not giving a rookie rookies a chance to shine. And so I don't have high hopes for Dotson this year. I have higher hopes for his career. Curtis Samuel, I'm very low on. I don't even think he deserved that contract. He was no, all it, right. It, it was in overpaid. Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't got a chance yet really to prove himself. Like he's gotta he's gotta put up numbers this year. He has to. Yeah. He's been a disappointment. Logan Thomas, I like a lot. I don't know how you couldn't like Logan Thomas. He's a great story. Going he started a playoff game as a quarterback in the and NFL. Now he's a tight end. Yeah. That's wild. He's solid. Offensive line mediocre. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the offensive? I think line? their offense. The offensive line played. They they got some injury issues last year. Went healthy. This offensive line played well. Your boy Charles Leno got a contract extension after getting him for basically nothing when the Bears cut him and let him go for to keep on to hold on to Jimmy Graham. That was probably another shaky roster on, on the Ryan Pace there in Chicago. Uh, Trey Turner, they brought in to be right guard. He's okay. Sam Cause, he's not a bad right tackle. Andrew Norwell, left guard. 
I don't mind their offensive line. And they drafted Chris Paul, who was a fourth-round rookie guard who I really liked in this upcoming draft. He He's good depth there. Wes, um, Wes, Schweltzer, Wes Schweltzer, Schweltzer, he played pretty well last year um, in, in spot duty last year. I think PFF had him in like the top 10 in grades. He didn't play very much, but th- this offensive line is above average. I'd say the, like Wentz has enough to work with here. Right, and I, l- I love that you mentioned the depth with those two players because the spot I have a concern about would be Trey Turner. He's getting up there in age. I believe he's going to be 34 this season. So it wouldn't be – oh, sorry, he's 29, Trey 24. Turner. Why does it feel like he's been around Yeah, forever? he's been passed around a lot of the league. He was Carolina, LA at one point, right? Yeah. At some point. I'm sorry, I believe Andrew Norwell is the guy that's yeah. getting up there in age as well. He's 30 as well, but he's he's solid. I would say if this you're what you're predicting is if this line stays healthier, they'll be fine. They're gonna need that because I do think talent-wise, losing Brandon Scherf, they did take a step down in talent, but mm-hmm. with some health and depth, I don't think this line will take a huge step back. Okay, so what is this offense going to look like? Is kind of the big question. Because with Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke really limited what this offense could do last year. So here's a stat for you. Taylor Heineke on throws outside the numbers last year was dead last in EPA per play. He could not. He has a a noodle arm. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a strong arm. Your your offense is kind of 35 yards, 40 yards in. You're going between the numbers. So Scott Turner, who's an offensive play caller, who I think is actually one of the better offensive play callers in the NFL, Really smart guy, North Turner's son. What does North Turner like to do? Push the ball downfield. That's what's that's what's in his DNA. His dad did it. That's what he wants to do, get the ball downfield. And look, as much as I think Carson Wentz's floor is, when Carson Wentz is your quarterback, the floor is low with dumb mistakes, just easy misses. He always he misses the layups. Like it was a thing in in 2020s last year in Philly, even in 2019. Like the throws to the running backs are off. Like the like the five-yard Supposed to be layup throws. He's missing. Yeah, I forget. I had a stat too on Carson Wentz, and that must-win Week 17 game. He completed one pass in the first 20 minutes of football. <laughs> we're gonna keep. We're gonna keep hammering that away, are we? Um. Anyways, against po- one of the historically yes, worst I, defenses. Okay, we've Carson seen. Wentz had a terrible last two games. We get it. We get it. I. I think bringing in Carson Wentz. How it opens up the offense. Well, he's got a rocket arm. Carson Wentz can throw the ball deep. Again, that's what Scott Turner likes to do is push the ball down the numbers. So I think just bringing in Carson Wentz allows his offense to do a lot more. Terry McLaurin was on part of my take um, not too long ago, and he was listing off the quarterbacks he's caught in passes from. Like, it was an ugly list. This mm-hmm. is Terry McLaurin's best quarterback he's ever played with. Terry McLaurin is, one of, is a top 15 receiver in this league. He's got a contract extension this year. He's great with the ball in his hands. He's great going down deep. So I feel like those two can have a good connection. Now, I I don't know if they're going to get a better version than they did of Carson Wentz than they did last year because think about it this way. He went to Indianapolis to go hang out with Frank Reich and play with Frank Reich. That was the best. that He handpicked that place basically because that's where he had the most success in 2017. Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator of that Eagles team, head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. If Frank Reich was pushing him out the door and didn't want him, it shows what type of quarterback you are. But when you take a look at the big picture numbers, we, we've we've had this, we've done this exercise already on this show. Wentz was 16th in DVOA last year out of all quarterbacks, so he's basically so from the DVOA metric, he was league average. 
Taylor Heineke was 22nd. I, uh, I, I think that Carson Wentz can be better, but I, I don't think you'll ever see him um, in that top 10 in DVOA. Like I, I, I do, I, again, I do think this is the best kind of um, situation he's been in over the last three years, but I don't know if this offense is a top 10 ceiling. Yeah, I'm going to, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. I'm going to be low on any offense that is led by Carson Wentz. I, in theory, you're right. Him and Terry McLaurin should be a good combo. From what we've heard, Carson Wentz is not that well liked as a teammate in the locker room. We can't assume that he's going to have good, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Good camaraderie like good like, like a good i guess connection with his teammates yeah, yeah like we just we don't know if cars how he's viewed in that locker room all we know is from indianapolis that it went terribly it's a fresh start here in washington who knows maybe he this year all of a sudden's a good leader i don't know i'm gonna bet against it i think this team misses the playoffs we haven't even talked about the defense yeah so i, I want to touch on the running back room too because i think it's important to bring up awful what happened to brian robinson yeah feel terrible for the guy so he was a third round. Was he third round rookie this yeah. year? He was slated to be the starting running back for this offense, right? Like Antonio Gibson was doing bad in preseason. Apparently, he was on punt duty and punt return duty. Mm. Like it was going to be Brian Robinson's show. I don't believe that. You don't? I think I, I buy. Yeah, Ron but Rivera, yeah, but, rookie. yeah, but okay. But running back, rookie running backs are different than any other rookie position, right? Ron Rivera had Antonio Gibson when he was a rookie. He had something like 150 carries. That year, they gave 100 carries to Peyton Barber. Yeah. They, they actually said that Peyton Barber lost. Last year was a big reason they did succeed. It's like, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? It was, I was listening to Rivera Press Conference. I'm like, what am I hearing? It was a funny clip on Twitter. Um, I think Brian Robinson was going to be a big part of this offense. Between the tackles last year, the Washington offense was 23rd running in between the tackles in total EPA. They couldn't do anything inside the tackles. Running The run, the run offense was bad. They needed so that's why they went and drafted Brian Robinson. I'm assuming he was a big part of that. So now Antonio Gibson going into his third year, can he kind of take off? They they brought in JD McKissick or they re-signed JD McKissick after the weird contract. He was going to Buffalo and now he's back in Washington. So I overall think this offense has top 15 talent, but I, I don't know if they'll get any better than that. I, I'm assuming this offense is probably going to be middle to back. Yeah, I would guess 15 to 20. Yeah, I I can agree with that. Defensive side of the ball, this defense was really, really disappointing last year. Got to be the most disappointing unit yeah. in the league. 28th in team DVOA last year. Now, they did finish 18th in weighted DVOA, so that means they did play better down the stretch. Um, I'll get into that in a second. I'm just going to go through the personnel. Um, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweater, three great young pass rushers. They need to get more out of him. Jonathan Allen was terrific last year. He was actually the best player probably on Washington the entire season. James Smith-Williams. Is now going to be taking over a hurt Chase Young. Chase Young is on the PU is on the IR for the first four weeks, so we won't see him. Weird. I I feel like this knee injury is. I'd be more concerned now if I was watching. I was already concerned. This is uh, it's not looking too good. We'll see how healthy he is, but he's one of the best. Like he when he's when he's healthy, like we've seen his athleticism, you've seen the highlight hits. He he, he's a he's much needed player for this team if they want to make the playoffs. Um, on on the back end here. Cole, of the back end of the, of the front seven, David Mayo, Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis, as the linebackers, they really need Jamin Davis to step up. He was disappointing. They took him in the first round last year. Again, an off-ball linebacker in the first round, like just a, other decisions like that. Um, we'll see if he can kind of step up, but he he was a disappointing in his rookie season. Now, I'm really concerned about the secondary. 
William Jackson was one of the worst cornerbacks in the league last year. They brought him back. He's getting up there in age. I don't believe he's going to bounce back. Usually when you when you kind of hit, when you fall off a cliff as a cornerback, you usually stay off that cliff. Um, Kendall Fuller, they brought in to be the slot corner last year. They, he was awful in the slot, so they moved him back to outside. And then Bobby McCain and Cameron Curl, okay. It's it's middle of the pack safeties, but they're nothing special there. And then the second the depth at secondary, like if Kendall Fuller or William Jacks go down, you're you're throwing in second year Canadian, Benjamin St. Juice, um, Christian Holmes, Percy Butler, Derek Forrest. Like none of these back end secondary guys are are kind of gonna do the job for you. So they're they're gonna need to stay healthy in the secondary to even sniff like a mediocre defense. Yeah, I don't see how this defense improves from last year where you mentioned, sorry, did you say 28th or 26th in DVOA? 28th in DVOA last year. 28th. I mean, maybe they improve on that number, but I don't I don't know if they get into that top 20 of a unit. You mentioned Jonathan Allen. He was an absolute beast last yeah. year. Can he do that again? He was arguably the second best interior defender other than beside Aaron Donald last mm-hmm. year. I don't know if he has that in him again. Montez Sweat. I don't know what's his con. Is he playing for a contract I this year? So right, it's a contract year for him. So maybe he steps his game up. Or no, did he? I think he might have already gotten paid. I always get him and Josh Sweat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Josh Sweat got paid. Yeah, he, he, John Montez Sweat got paid as well. He got a signed, signed. Uh, but you know, he's still on his rookie contract. So yeah, he's in a contract here. Yeah, so this could be a big year for him. You mentioned the secondary. William Jackson was horrific last year. He's back as cornerback one. I don't know how you can be confident yeah. in a unit where that cornerback play was that poor and nothing <laughs> was done to address the position. In fact, you could say it probably got worse. Yeah. The Jahan Dotson pick, I think, is going to be one to look at because there were a couple corners that went after him. You had um, you had, you had Andrew Booth, Kyrie Elam kind of go after. Those are the second tier. McDuffie? Yeah, McDuffie also would have been after. Like There were a couple guys. I don't know if Jahan Dotson was really needed like it was kind of a spot. luxury pick, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was not a big, I wasn't a big on Jahan Dotson during the draft process, so we'll see. But I, I feel like they should have added a secondary. You brought up the defense from last year. I have, I have some staggering stats for how bad they were. You said 28th in DVOA, 29th in EP per play on defense. They were again one of the worst defenses in the NFL on the first half, of the first uh, half of the season. They allowed third down conversions at a 56.5% rate. Warner, that is the second worst market for the first half of the season in the last 15 years. They were 32nd in DVOA on second downs, 32nd in DVOA on third downs. This was a terrible team getting, they, they couldn't get them, they couldn't get off was, the field. It was Jack Del Rio last yeah. year, right? And why is he back? That's okay, thank you. That's one of my biggest takes is why the hell are we bringing Jack Del Rio back? One, just an awful guy, one of the yeah. biggest, one of the biggest assholes in the league. Yeah, they had a third. They were third in DVOA in 2020, but like that's it, a huge drop off the 28th. I feel like this was a perfect time to kind of cut the cord with Jack. He did not deserve to come back as defensive coordinator. And what is? Are you confident that he's going to bring some new game plan to the table here? I'm not confident that he's going to be smart enough to adjust to what happened to him last season. I agree. I mean, we're looking at this team. They won seven games last year. Seven games the year before that. I think they're winning seven I games think again. Win- yeah. I think they're winning seven games yeah. again. I can see a 7-10 season. And if they finish 7-10, I, I think Ron Rivera's out the door. So do I. And it's and we should mention, like, my dad's a Dyer Washington fan. We're, I'm looking at, we're looking at Washington memorabilia on the, on the wall here. He's 
becoming like apathy has set in for him at this point. Like this is a dumpster fire organization. My dad fandom has like kind of been stripped away from him because of how poorly run this team is. FedEx Field's a disaster. Like you, you remember Jalen Hurts? Oh, yeah, <laughs> almost took down Jalen Hurts last year. They they're not they're not fixing that stadium. The owner is on a yacht fleeing from Congress to get subpoenaed. The owner is an absolute piece of shit. This team, I, it's one of those things, right? Like in, in sports, when you're a fan of a team with a bad owner, it's got to be the worst feeling because you can't mm. fire an owner. You can fire a bad coach. You can fire a GM. You can get rid of a quarterback. You can get rid of a centerman. You can get rid of a defenseman. You can get rid of a power forward, a point guard, you name it. You can't get rid of an owner. No, you can't. Yeah. And I don't know if there's another team in sports where it's so unanimous that the fan base wants their owner out. Yeah. Like, there's not one person in Washington who is like, no, let's give Dan Schneider another chance. Like, everybody wants him out. And I don't see this team really improving until he is out. 100% agreed. They, they just make bad decisions. Like, he needs to get... And I I actually think it's coming at some point. I think maybe the financial stuff, like when they were funneling money through tickets, through concerts, because they have to share all the... the the revenue, revenue from concerts and stuff. He was funneling that money away. And I think if that, if something could come out of that, it's going to be if he pissed off owners on the money side. He All the sexual assault allegations are clearly not sticking. Owners don't care about this because there's definitely a rabbit hole with other owners have definitely done some other shady shit. So I I, uh, I hope that for my dad's uh, happiness, I hope that he's gone one day. But that's all I got in the Washington football team. I agree. Let's move on to those Dallas Cowboys, America's so team. We're going to go Dallas. We're going to finish off with the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's run it. <laughs> it's kind of a mixture. We kind of like, usually we go like worst the best. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll start by saying this. I'm low on the Cowboys this year. They have eight playoff appearances since 2000. They haven't made the NFC championship game in 26 years. That's the fifth longest streak in the NFL. They have a worse winning percentage in the playoffs over those 26 years than the Cleveland Browns and Jacksonville Jaguars. It's time people start talking about the Dallas Cowboys as one of the bottom 10 franchise franchises over the last couple decades. They have not been a successful football team. There have been three teams that have not made an, an NFC championship since 1996. Washington football team, the Detroit Lions. Houston Texans? No, in the NFC. Oh, in the NFC. Actually, they might be. The, did the Texans make a championship game? feel like they haven't yet. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. But the, the Lions, Cowboys, Washington are the only three teams that have not made an NFC championship game since, for, what's that, almost 20 years now. Yeah. 25 years. So let's look at the offensive line. We know Hall of Famer Tyron Smith is already out. That's going to be a long-term injury. The other Hall of Famer, Zach Martin, is still there. He is an elite guard. He will be the unit's blue chipper. All of a sudden, he's really all they got. Gone is Lyle Collins, who in 2020 was the number one right tackle. In 2021, he was the number five right tackle in the NFL. So that is a huge loss. I know you mentioned on the Bengals um, uh, review, we didn't know of how big of a deal that sign was. I think it is a big deal that the Cowboys are losing Lyle Collins. He hasn't been really the same since his hip injury, but I think there's still talent there to be tapped into for Cincinnati. If he's the number right. five tackle, right tackle, the Bengals are going to mm. be extremely yep. excited. Tyler Smith, the rookie out of Tulsa, he was drafted in the first round. He was expected to be a tackle. He, they had him at right tackle to start. 
it wasn't working, moved in, inside to guard. Tyron Smith got hurt, so now they moved him to the other side at left tackle. So he wasn't good enough to play right tackle. They had him at guard, but due to an early injury to Tyron Smith, now they're asking him to play the left tackle. I don't know how that's going to work. Um, number 10 guard in the league last year, Connor Williams. He's moved on. He's replaced by Connor McGovern. Center is Tyler <coughs> Biedaz. I'm not going to get this name right whatsoever. We're going to call him Tyler. He improved <laughs> in year two. He had a shaky rookie year. He's all right. But again, it's a drop off from the Travis Frederick era in Dallas. And now the right tackle is slated to be Terrence Steele. He had a bad year last year. That's why they drafted Tyler Smith. Mm-hmm. I think that this is, without a doubt, the worst offensive line Dak Prescott will be have in his entire career. And I don't even think it's comparable. It's not. This is definitely... The, the years of Dallas Cowboys having dominant offensive lines, basically since they kind of went on the Zach Martin draft, Tyron Smith, all those guys, it's, it's not there anymore. It's long gone. Yeah. And I think there's a realistic scenario where this offensive line like falls off a cliff cliff like the tyrant smith injury is massive massive i think literally and figuratively. yeah i uh yeah i um i might my kind of old outlook on the dallas cowboys season change when when tyrant smith went down like putting in tyler smith at left tackle a rookie left tackle who was playing guard throughout the camp usually that doesn't work out (laughs) yeah Wide receivers Michael Gallup and James Washington are not going to be ready for week one, but they should be back. I don't think either of them are on the uh, PUP, so they are eligible J- to come James back. James Washington is on IR. He broke a bonus foot. He's on the IR. Okay, so Gallup is not, so he could come back at some point. Right, so James Washington's out four games at least. Michael Gallup is not, but I believe he's doubtful for week one. Uh, CD Lamb is now the guy. How is he going to be handle that? He's going to be the guy that gets double coverage. We can definitely expect an uptick in volume. Does that, will he have the same efficiency with an uptick in volume? That's mm. to be determined. 20th in yards per row run last year. He's he's a really like one of the best receivers in the NFL. But now he's a, he doesn't have help now. He's, a, he's the guy. Exactly. Yeah. Third round rookie Jalen Tolbert. He's going to see the field right away. You, overall, you got to give this wide receiver room a down tick compared to last year running back room is zeke and pollard uh zeke is getting that classic stop me if you've ever heard this before with an athlete best shape of his life we'll see and the thing is too with that is he wasn't even good before his knee injury last year like his knee injury he was bad after it but even before the knee injury he wasn't running very well i was gonna say he was playing with a slight tear in his pcl i believe in his knee so Give him th- we'll give him that as an excuse, but this is kind of it for Zeke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expect these two to be used a ton in the passing game, though. There's a realistic scenario where these one of these two guys is probably finishes either second or third on the team in receiving yards. I think they're going to be used that heavily. I like Dalton Schultz at tight end. Dak. Dak is a top 10 quarterback. I think we got to agree with that. Oh, I love Dak. I, I, fandom aside, I think Dak Prescott is seven most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. Is he getting a little bit of a Kirk Cousins vibe to him? Dak has a winning percentage of 40 when playing playoff teams, 85 versus non-playoff teams. So hmm. he cleans up when he's supposed to. 
Let's see how he does this year versus playoff teams because this is the year I'm really, really going to judge Dak Prescott. Like yeah. I said, that offensive line is going to be the worst of his career. He, it's not his fault he's had an elite offensive line since he walked into the league. Let's see how he handles yeah. not having that. So line. a couple things on the Dak Prescott thing. He was kind of the tail of two quarterbacks last year. So weeks one to eight, he was fourth in EP per play. He was great. Like he was one of the best quarterbacks. I think he was almost like an MVP watch for the first eight weeks. He was blitzed on 36% of the time from weeks one day. He was carving the blitz. Team stopped blitzing. Team stopped blitzing. So from week eight until a week from week nine to 18, he was blitzed only 24% of the time and he fell to 11th in EP per play. So when teams were not, when teams are going, when teams are sitting back and, and, too high shells and not giving him kind of the answers to the test. He struggled. Well, not struggle, but he yeah. was average. Yeah. And you and for how this offense is built this year, they can't have him be average. He no. needs to be at the fourth in EPA, bro. He needs to be a top seven quarterback. Yeah, I believe or every quarterback, like I've mentioned, their their EPA per play drops versus pressure. He yep. was in the category of the Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, yep. Aaron Rodgers, and their EPA per play did drop very slightly mm-hmm. when uh, pressured. Yeah, so and, and teams are gonna and teams aren't stupid enough to start blitzing them again. Like they're gonna they're not gonna do that. Yeah, they've learned their lesson. Right. Let's look at this defense. Uh, they had thirty four takeaways last year, most in the league. That is going to regress. There's no way they do that again. Demarcus Lawrence, he remains elite. He's graded out a top 10 defensive end five straight seasons. Signed Dante Fowler Jr., Anthony Barr, and drafted Sam Williams, a defensive end, in the second round. This is scaring me. Does this mean Micah Parsons is not going to be playing the edge? Why'd they bring in all these guys? No, I I have a different read on this. So I think... Bringing in Anthony Barr allows him to be on the edge. Oh, Anthony Barr now has kind of—he's not as good of a coverage guy as he was earlier yeah. in his career. But now he, Anthony Barr is kind of a hand in the dirt guy. Yeah, I—I—I I, I th- I think they—they they made that move for him to kind of go back to the, the standard will linebacker, and then and then Michael Parsons is going to be attacking. He has to. Attack. Yeah, you have to. You use players to your strengths. He's got to be a. He should be a full time pass rusher. He had like. Here's it, this one. He had a 24% pass rush win rate versus tackles. Yeah. He was outrageous. He had like 13, he had what, 13 half sacks last year? He barely, like he had like over, I don't know the exact stat, but I think it was like triple digits less pass rush snaps than like than TJ Watt did. Yeah. Right? Like he, his pass rush ability is off the charts and he's, he, there's a chance he takes yeah. a step up. I'm actually really, I, I might be looking at Michael Parsons for defensive player of the year this year. I think. He's got that high of a ceiling. I I like that idea. Yeah. I agree with the ceiling. Yeah. I'm just scared that they're going to use him more as a linebacker like he was in college. The player he was drafted to be in college is not the player he is now. Well, I think I think Dan Quinn's smart enough to He should so. be, he should be rushing the passer 85% of the time. I agree. Mm-hmm. That's the hope. The middle of the offensive line is a little weak. Uh, we need a big step up from Canadian Neville Gallimore. I didn't know he was Canadian. Yeah, he's going to be a starter this year. He's been uh, coming off the bench the last couple of years, but that interior of the line is, uh, I'm worried about it. Let's look at the secondary. Trevon Diggs had 11 interceptions last year. And with that, PFF had him the number 80 cornerback. The s- 
interception statistic really, really changes how Trevon Diggs is perceived. If you look at him from a down-to-down player, he struggled last year. So, hold on. Neville Gallimore is from Welland. Oh, yeah? Welland. So, he grew up in Jamaica. Then he played football in Jamaica, I guess. And then he went to prep school, Canadian Prep Academy in Welland. Good stuff. Yeah, cool. I never knew that. I love finding random Canadians in the NFL. Same. I didn't yeah. know that uh, St. Jude's Yeah, guy he's, he's from Quebec. He, nice. He's a Montreal boy, I think. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, the other cornerbacks, Anthony Brown, he ranked 40th. And Jordan Lewis ranked 67th. So, I'm not I'm not high on this secondary at all, specifically the cornerbacks. J-Ron I think, Kirst, the sec- I think I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit. I think they're pretty deep. Like Kelvin Joseph, Jordan Lewis, Anthony Brown, Trayvon Diggs. I think it's a pretty good deep core. Malik Hooker and Javon Curse, little probably it's below average, but I think the secondary is deeper. Like they the Cowboys ran into a lot of secondary injury issues over the last few years, right? Like they were throwing out some random guys out there. I think it's a little deeper now. We'll see. Like Kelvin Joseph is still could potentially get in some in the offseason off field trouble. Like, there's still something going on there. But I, I, I'll i push back a little bit. I think their secondaries get, should be okay. I disagree. I think that they're weak in that area. And just something I should mention of this whole roster, I'm worried about their depth. Mm-hmm. They're that classic cowboy. They kind of are the Rams light. They pay premiums for certain positions. That's going to hurt your depth. And when guys like Tyron Smith are already out, you really see the trickle-down effect quickly. This team also doesn't have a kicker. <laughs> who's, who's the kicker right now? No, like, they, they on their roster, they do not no, have a kicker. There's a kicker on the red. You're right. Like, they don't have a kicker. I don't know they how. Should pro- it's six days away. Are they yeah. not signing a kicker? That is bizarre. Very bizarre. Yeah. That's not, that's something. Yeah. I don't think that's not nothing. No, and we have right. a coach. You have a coach in Mike McCarthy who, my opinion, struggles to make decisions already if he doesn't trust his kicker, what's going to happen there? If you don't trust your kicker, is he going to, when you do need him, how's he going to kick? I don't know. I just don't like the idea of having a game in five, six days and you don't even have a kicker on the roster. Yeah, you're right. That's that's a good point. Overall, I'm low on this team. I think the media hypes up America's team far too much. If you took away this Dallas Cowboys logo, just put a plain old logo on this team, I think most people would say this is a 500 team. I think that 10 and a half wins as their win total is outrageous. I think them being favored to win the division is outrageous. Mm-hmm. We're both going to agree on your birds at plus 145 to win the division. I'm all over that. I think I think that this team takes a step down. Okay, I want to zoom out a little bit and to do like maybe like a big picture outlook on the Dallas Cowboys offseason. Their offseason to me didn't make any sense. So you got rid of Amari Cooper to save $20 million. Okay, I can buy that in a vacuum. Like, Amari Cooper's not worth the $20 million. We got, we'll got we'll get, they didn't get anything for him, which is another thing. They only got a fifth round pick. or a fifth. Yeah. So when you take a look at that way, okay, we're going to take that $20 million and let's allocate it to maybe two or three receivers. They didn't do that. Yeah. Like, they, they used that money to franchise take Dalton Schultz and they got James Washington who was 113th out of 115 receivers in PFF last year. He's the guy that's in the new draft. Um, you draft Jalen Tolbert. Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, you get rid of Mark Cooper, but you don't use the money that you saved to fund that position. And you can say the same thing about At, getting rid of the Vlad, offensive exactly, line. Exactly, yeah. They have $20 million currently in cap space. This blows my mind. They are 29th in total cash spending. 
in the entire league. Only the Bears and Falcons and Giants are spending less money than the Dallas Cowboys this year. You have a franchise quarterback on a contract. It's time to, like, I don't get it. Like, I know they spent a lot of money over the last few seasons, and then maybe that's probably why maybe Jerry Jones is being a little cheap. But I just, I don't really understand the process this year. They did not get better at position. I, I believe that cap space is probably also due because they tried to sign Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory bailed on them. So I'm assuming that has something to do with it. But you, you nailed it. You said it perfectly. This team over the last, like, since I even watched the Dallas Cowboys, even back to the Romo days, Earlier than that, they're a top-heavy team. They like to sign their stars to big contracts, and when those stars don't hit, they're in trouble. And look where the look at where the money's allocated this year. Tyron Smith and Ezekiel Elliott are making a ton of money. Those guys are not going to be producing on the football field this year. And usually, what Dallas does too is they like to restructure these guys and save money to push money to future years. They did it with Dak Prescott this offseason. They didn't restructure Tyron Smith or Ezekiel Elliott. So that shows where their heads at. They think in their head, okay, they're probably gone. After this year, so they they're kind of being self aware already and know that they're not going to be um, on this team in the future. So I didn't like their offseason plan. I felt like they left a lot of meat on the bones and to potentially help out Dak Prescott. And the big big sign of regression here, Warner, is on the defensive side of the ball. They were first to DVUA yeah, last year. That's not happening. that's not happening again. And they didn't get better, right? Like they yeah. they brought in Anthony Barr. So that, that's it. Their year reminds me a little bit of the 2019 or 2018 Bears where they had 35 takeaways. That doesn't happen year to yeah. year. It's not a sticky thing. Trevon Diggs is not having 11 yeah. interceptions this year. So thir- not. They had 34 takeaways last year. They had nine return touchdowns. Like <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get you're not going to get that type of production again. They were 12th in EPA per play on defense when they didn't force a turnover. So it's not like they were bad. But that's still again like you're going to twelfth. Like you're going. Let's. Let, I'm assuming like there's going to be a drop off from first. I still think this defense is going to be okay. Like there's still some talent on here, but they're not first level talent. Um, like a top defense. It's just, there's going to be regression on that side of the ball. They are banking on Dak Prescott to be a top five quarterback this year. That's yeah. it. That's the yeah. bet they made. Yeah, behind yeah. a worse offensive line. Yeah, I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. I'm selling on the Dallas Cowboys. I think they're a playoff team. I do think they, they should make the playoffs. Again, Dak Prescott's good enough to take them to the playoffs, but it feels like that they they did a they had a poor option. I feel like they could have done more to kind of help out Dak, but I do believe that they should still make the playoffs. And it's not out of the question for them to compete in the NFC. It's like I don't think like I, I look, I know the Eagles are getting a ton of hype here, but I do feel like the Dallas Cowboys are kind of being lost in this conversation. They still have the best quarterback in the division. So you always have to remember that. Um okay. You got anything else in Dallas? Nope, that's it for me. All right. It's time. Let's talk about my Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles are heading to the second year of Nick Sirianni. He is back. Jonathan Gannon is back. Jalen Hurts is back. Coach, quarterback, coordinator, all back for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. They had a really active offseason. They went and got a lot of players. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. So offensive side, they didn't. Uh, they didn't. They're, they're, run, they're basically running it back on offense, but there's one big addition. They added... A.J. Brown, fifth in yards per run last year, in my opinion, oh. a top 10 receiver in the NFL. I thought he was number one in yards per run. He was run. fifth last year in yards per run. According to, Warren, one. according to Warren Sharp's stats, he was fifth. Okay, maybe it's yeah. EPA per yeah. play. I can't remember. Um, anyways, he was, he's a top, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. I think he's severely underrated. I remember saying on this podcast, he's my favorite receiver to watch outside of Philadelphia. And he was ended up being an eagle. It all worked out. I love watching him play. Super exciting. He just brings such a different dynamic to this offense. But besides him, 
They have the same starting offense. They're gonna. They've got their offensive line: Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Jordan Mailotar. Back Isaac Samalu is gonna be back from injury. He slots in at guard. Um, and yeah, this is uh, this is a very similar team to last year, and or similar offense to last year. And I think that matters. I think Jalen Hurts going into his second season as quarterback, having the same. He. This is the first time in Jalen Hurts' entire football career that he's had the same offensive play caller second straight season. That's so that big. that may, that means something to it, especially a young quarterback who needs to develop. So I do think that matters. What is this offense going to look like, Warner? I think is really important. So last year, the the Eagles, we talked about it. Uh, Dak Prescott was kind of a tale of two teams last year, or tale of two quarterbacks. The Philadelphia Eagles offense was a tale of two teams. So weeks one to eight last year, they were 17th in EPA per play. They were throwing the ball a lot. Um, they were, I think, six in early first down throw rate. It wasn't working. They they ran into like the Raiders and the Buccaneers kind of had their way with them. Uh, the Carolina Panthers defense like kind of torched them as well, even though they won that game. But the offense was slow. It looked boring. There wasn't a lot of creativity to it. And then from week eight to week 18, they were seventh in EPA per play on offense. They were a top 10 offense down the stretch. What they did is they ran the freaking football. They I've never seen a team kind of just completely switch up their, their style of attack. On one side of the ball than the Philadelphia Eagles did last year. Nick Sirianni completely flipped the switch. And I think that also is important for Eagles fans to kind of the positive. You like one of the biggest things about football coaches. A lot of them are too stubborn to change their ways. Nick Sirianni completely switching that offense and flipping it upside down. It, midway through the season I think is a good sign for Eagles fans. A good sign for this franchise. And Nick Sirianni is willing to be adaptive. It, it's, it's crazy that they were able to do that Warren. Just completely... Run yeah. the football like that, and it was and it was it, it was, was like the fans banging the table. Yeah. It was like that's what they it wanted. The and they w- got their way. Yeah, it was <laughs> on the WIP callers. Like, and they it worked. It's almost like the Eagles fans bullied them into running the football, and hey, it completely worked out. So they were fourth in EPA per rush as well during that stretch. They led the league in rushing yards. Um, they were the only they they were during the entire season. They were second EPA per rush or third. Sorry, EPA per rush only behind. The Indianapolis Colts and Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks surprisingly had a really good run game last year, but this was a really efficient uh, running team. I do think they have to stick with that. I do think they should be a run first offense still. Jalen Hurts in the run game just provides so much like ability to you. Like he, you having to watch out for Hurts as a runner, it it means the world to running backs. It opens up the holes. The Jalen Hurts was the only behind only Josh Allen. He was the second most efficient runner in the NFL last year. He was awesome running football. 10 touchdowns. He was great. I think you still have to utilize that part of your offense. But I do think you have to pass a little bit more. They were 28th on early down runs after week eight, and it worked. But I do think you have to kind of switch that up, maybe get a little more aggressive early. Bringing in A.J. Brown allows you to kind of hit those middle-of-the-field style plays, get the ball in his hands, get those easy lips for Hurts. And that matters because, Warren, this that kind of blew my mind. Jalen Hurts only threw 10% of his throws between the numbers last year. Yeah, yeah. No other quarterback was below 16%. So it was like, I guess it was an outlier. Mm. He couldn't do it. Yeah, no, he really, there's there's a few things about Hurts I kind of have questions about. That would be one of them. The other one, this offensive line last year was ranked third in pass block win rate. They gave up the 20th most pressures that was more on Hurts. It wasn't yeah. the O-line. He 
for an athletic guy, it, you normally don't see this, but he has poor pocket presence. Yep. For an athletic guy, he kind of runs himself into trouble sometimes or runs. He takes off to his right a lot. Like that exactly. was, a, he was getting better during the season, but it's almost like he, after his first read, he was taken off. It was his problem in Alabama too. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a habit that he needs to he fix. Needs, I'm assuming they nailed that down this offseason. And he needs to trust this offensive line because, in my opinion, it's a top five unit in the league, yeah. top maybe top three. I think, the, I think they have the second-best offensive line behind the Chiefs. Yeah, Browns are up there. Yeah. Either way, it's a top five unit, and he needs to trust them. I like the depth on the offensive line as well. That's Cam Jurgens, yeah. Andre Dillard will be back after he's, I think he's he was four put weeks. On, he was put on IR today. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing probably you're looking at more like six weeks, but that's a problem actually out the gate. Is Raven Clark and Josh Shills are their back of left tackle? They need Jordan Mailata and Lane Johnson to stay healthy, especially Every in the game. Line of does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you're right. Um, Everyone's gonna have uh, everyone's gonna have uh, offensive line uh, issues if you do get hurt. But the Eagles are like like you said, they're really deep. Sua Pettis started games from Jack Driscoll, started games from Kim Jurgens as well. Like they they have guys like they have a solid eight. Like their backup offensive line in preseason was like Andre Dillard, Cam Jurgens, Jack Driscoll, Sua Pettis. Like those four guys can start on in the league. I agree. Yeah, um, I think that's mostly it on offense. I, it's I'm really curious. My biggest question. On offense is of course Jalen Hurts. Like I, I am, I am not hundred percent sold on him yet. I, I think I said this take at the beginning, kind of like I think it was end of June. We were starting to kind of dive into the season. I am. I think there's a 50-50 chance that he's a starting quarterback next year. Like I think it's that up in the air. I don't know what to expect from him. I, I think there's a there's a few outcomes here. I think he can definitely take a step up and play well. He's only twenty three years old, second year in offense. He's got the raw talent. He does. He doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but he can hit most of the majority of throws around the field. I think there's a shot that he can't take a step up, but there's also a scenario here where he struggles, and the Eagles have draft capital, and they can move on. They're not going to be patient at the position with how much roster they have. The Eagles have the most money allocated to non-quarterbacks in the NFL over the next two years. This roster is ready to go. They need to have top quarterback play. I agree. That, those are my. Two takes for the Philadelphia Eagles this season. It would be, I think that they win the division with the number one defense in the NFL. Yeah, you already throw the stake out already. And Jalen Hurts is not their yeah. quarterback next year. So Warner thinks they have the, he has the number one defense. He told me this take a couple weeks ago. I was prepared for it. Don't know about that, but we'll dive into the defense and what they did. They changed a lot on the defensive side of the ball this year. Remember throughout this analysis of the defense that they play the easiest schedule of opposing quarterbacks yep. in the NFL. So they changed up a lot here. They needed defense help. They were 25th in DVOA last year in defense. I thought they were a bad defense. I hated watching this defense. Opposing quarterbacks, car like, like good quarterbacks carved them up. Patrick Mahomes carved them up. Dak Prescott carved them up. Justin Herbert carved them up. Derek Carr carved them up. When good when they played good quarterbacks, they struggled last year. Oh, that's actually something I also forgot to mention yeah. on the Hurts side of things. The Eagles and the Falcons were the only two teams in the NFL last year to not beat a playoff team. Yep. So Hurts has to when he rises in rises in talent, he can he needs to emerge. We'll yep. see if he can do that this year. So they again they added a ton of um like a ton of people on this defense. They needed to allocate the resources there, and they did that. They drafted Jordan Davis in the first round, who's 
I cannot wait to watch oh, him play football. I'm so, so excited. He, he's my most. He's my. Uh, that's. I can't wait for Sunday to watch Jordan Davis. We've never seen a man this big, that athletic in the NFL. He's one of one. This is going to be the first time we'll ever see a guy like this in the NFL. Added him on the uh, on the on um, the interior, of the defensive line. They they signed Kaiser White in free agency, who was I think I think he's sixth in, in total tackles last year. No tackles isn't a main stat, but he's provides linebacker play. The Eagles, the Eagles have, it's been an absolute dumpster fire of a mess at linebacker for the Eagles over the last pretty much 10, 15 years. So they, they have talent here. Now you got Kaiser white, Nicobe Dean in the third round looks like a potential steal here. I heard he was having a rough camp. He was, he was, he was, he was not getting a ton of, it's hard with linebackers in camp. It's one of the one position that you can't really dictate. But during the preseason games, PFF, I think he had like he had a third best run grade throughout preseason out of all linebackers. Like he was playing well, but it, during training camp practices, there wasn't a lot of buzz. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to start right out the gate. TJ yeah. Edwards and Kaiser White are going to start, and I believe that's the right way to go. Where you kind of let Nicole Dean kind of mix in. I'm assuming Dean will have his packages in, but Kaiser White, TJ Edwards, that's a good linebacker group. TJ Edwards was great last year. Oh, really good season. To last year, it's yeah. off the charts. TJ Edwards is a guy that they're loving in the building right now. All the all the I think like late like they were asking who do you think takes the biggest step up from this year? A bunch of people said TJ Edwards on the roster. They is really he, look for Is he green dot? Yeah, he'll he'll be called the place for sure. He, he he's a good player. He had a great season last year too. I, I think I'm really looking forward to see undrafted free agents who love these kind of stories. And then the big addition on defense was signing Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick, I think, opens up a lot for what they can do. He had, I can't remember how many sacks he had last year, 12 and a half, I believe. Or he, yeah, he has, Hassan Reddick over the last two years is the fifth most sacks in the league. Only behind like Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, um, who's the guy from Cincinnati? Uh, Hendrickson? Yeah, Hendrickson's one, and there's mm-hmm. one more, I think, ahead of him. But Hassan Reddick has been under the radar good over the last two seasons, and he's a Philly guy, too, born and raised in Philly, so coming it's great home. to get him. Yeah, coming home. I think he great signing, and they got him for pretty cheap too. We talked. You talked about that. You hope uh, they rush um, Michael Parsons a lot. I'm worried about Jonathan Gannon not using Hassan Reddick as a pass rusher. That's one of my big worries, and I'll talk about kind of a bigger picture with Gannon in a bit. Um, but and then uh, no more additions on the defense. They signed James Bradbury this offseason to a one-year deal. The Giants just literally gave the Eagles James Bradbury for nothing. I can't believe there wasn't more of a market. When James Bradbury became available, you know how I feel about Bradbury. He's yeah. my guy. I think Bradbury and Slay form the best cornerback duo in the NFL. Yeah, they are older, so that is something to watch out for. The the Darius Slay's thirty one, James Bradbury's twenty nine. So injury issues could be a thing there. But Darius Slay was freaking awesome last year. Fourth PFF grade. He was balled out. Loved watching him play. He was so exciting. Uh, he had three touchdowns as well. He was great. And then. I you're not as big on this trade as I was as me. I love the CJ Gardner Johnson trade for the Eagles late in the season. I think bringing in CJ Gardner Johnson just opens up so much what you can do. The Eagles don't have a guy that can step down and play man to man on third down. CJ Gardner Johnson can do that. He can play all over the field for you. I don't know what it, I'm really curious to see how his role looks like to kind of start the season because again he was only got here two weeks before his season starts. So we'll see how much integrated he can get. Excuse me on the defensive side of the, uh, on the field. But I I think it's a it's one I think it could be one of those trades where you look back like in, in week eighteen or in the playoffs and be like whoa like we just got this guy for basically nothing right before the season a twenty four year old corner who was played really he had a rough start last year but he was awesome down the stretch for the Saints I I think he opens up so many doors and you have anything to add on to that I know no you, I just really want yeah. I don't know how they're gonna use him yeah. like 
He played last year nine snaps at free safety. Yeah. He's like the whole, oh, we got a safety. I was like, did you get a safety? But he, he played safety at college. Like, I think the safety role is kind of up in the air now in the league too, right? Like a lot of these guys play in the yeah. box. You're going man to he man played, on guys. Like it's, He played 477 snaps in the slot. Yeah. That's where he played about, I'd say, 80% of his snaps were in the slot. I'm assuming he's going to be up on tight ends a lot of the year. Like that's where they're yeah, going to want him over the field. Like they don't again. They didn't have a guy. Mark Avante Maddox is undersized. He's a great slot corner, but he kind of he's limited on who he can cover. Like he can't really cover tight ends. So I do think that this he just opens up a big can of worms for this team. And just kind of the the big picture look on this defense. I, I may sound crazy here, but I think Jonathan Gannon is the biggest worry for this team this year. Again, the defense was vanilla last year. It was bad. They were not a good defense. Jonathan Gannon is supposed to be the smart mind and is supposed to be able to unlock this new two-high-shell defense. The Eagles played the most snaps in the NFL last year with six men in the box. That's where they want to live. They want to live in this new Vic Fangio world. Well, you can. I don't mind that when you have Jordan exactly, Davis, Fletcher yes. Cox, and exactly. Hargraves. So, uh, Jordan Davis just, I think, is huge. I think this is like Gannon was probably so pumped to get him because they were the Eagles were not a good run defense last year. Teams were able to attack them on the run. Like that Kansas City Chiefs game, man. Like they ran all over them. Like it wasn't just Mahomes. Like the Chiefs were running all over them. So to bring in Jordan Davis there, that opens up the box for you. Like or, or it closes down the box for you. Sorry, like. Putting him in there, you can play with six men boxes and light boxes. So I, I think he's really important. And again, CJ Gardner Johnson's important for these style of defenses. But it's time for Gannon to um to put up or shut up. Like he was getting head coaching interviews last year. I didn't see why. I was not big on his defenses, weren't very creative at all last year. You got your guys now. Howie Rosen gave you everything you could possibly want. It's time to see this creative defensive mind that everyone thinks you are. And I'm betting on it. Yeah. I'm buying stock. Like I said, easiest schedule of opposing quarterbacks. They have the second easiest schedule overall, the Eagles. I'm buying Eagles stock this year. I'm going to bet on them to beat, win the division at plus 145. That's one of my favorite bets of the year. Like I said, I don't know if I'm going to be confident in them in the playoffs because of Jalen Hurts. But he's got 17 games to change my uh, opinion on him. So overall, I look on the Eagles. I do think they are going to win the NFCs. I think they have the best roster um, in the NFC. Do you let me let me fill this your way? I think the Eagles, quarterback aside, have a top five roster in the NFL. If you, if you don't just don't, take the quarterback out of it, everything yeah. else around them, I think they have a top five roster in the NFL. I can agree with that. You know, I'm a trenches guy. Yeah, you don't have to uh, when you if your argument includes trenches, I'm gonna side with that mm-hmm. team. And the Eagles are really deep on both sides of the ball on on, on offense and defense in the trenches. Like you said, their schedule is very easy. The Eagles have a lot going for them right now. Yeah. Like, you know, like I know I don't want to be the guy to drink the Kool Aid, like pour the Kool Aid down my throat here, but I'm kind of I'm kind of buying it. Like I I hate how confident I am going into the season, but man, they like, just look around the roster, adding James Bradbury, Son Reddick, C.J. Gardner Johnson, Jordan Davis on defense, dropping in a top ten receiver in the NFL to an offense that was already seventh, the most, seventh most efficient offense over the last ten weeks. Like Jalen Hurts doesn't have to be some crazy game changer here. They just need little increments of improvement from Jalen Hurts. I think the Eagles are going to go 12-5 and five this year and win the NFCs. That's my prediction. I'm right there yeah. with you, so I'm drinking that Kool-Aid as well. All right. New York finish football Giants. The I love that, how we, yeah, we have the Giants finishing up our division previews. I was going to say, love it's, it. finish, it's, it's 
what's the word? I can't I can't speak right now, but it's fitting that the 32nd team we preview is the team with the 32nd overall record over the last five years. The there New York go. Giants. That's how we set it up, baby. <laughs> but I think on paper, the team with the biggest improvement from a coaching perspective has to be the New York Giants. Goodbye, Joe Judge. Hello, Brian Dayball. <coughs> I love this hiring for this team specifically. Joe Judge had to go. Yep. It was an abject disaster with him. This team in their last 40 home games is 12 and 28. They have no home field advantage to speak of. I just I want to I'm hoping Brian Dayball is what is the turn of the page for this franchise. Overall, this is kind of a tough team for me to break down and get a read on them. But if you listen to the media, the narrative about this group is that they are an awful, awful team and could be one of the worst in the league. I'm not saying they're going to be a good team, but I'm I'm predicting they will not have a top six or seven draft pick. Okay. Last year, they were the number three overall most injured offense. They were decimated on this side of the ball. And I mentioned the Eagles have the second easiest schedule in the NFL. The easiest schedule in the NFL would be the New York Giants. Listen to some of the teams they play to start this year here. They start Titans, Panthers, Cowboys, Bears. Hmm. There's a scenario where they get out of there two and two. Two tough L's follow that with Packers and Ravens. But then listen to their next four games after that. They have a four-game stretch of the Jaguars, Seahawks, Texans, Lions. You're not going to get an easier four-game stretch in the league than that. And then in their final six games, sprinkle in two division games versus Washington. I'm just buying this team's schedule and the upgrade from Dayball over Joe Judge. Let's look at the roster. Tackles should be set for the future with Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. Andrew Thomas quietly had a really, really nice year last year. He took the jump that they needed him to take. They insulated the interior of the line with some veterans. Mike Lewinsky comes over from the Colts. He's played 95 games over the last seven years. Center, John Feliciano, he's played 82 games over the last seven years. Feliciano, I love that name. He comes over with Dayball from Buffalo. So I love the idea of the fact that the center has already played the system. I think that's going to help with the transition for Daniel Jones to his new system. Hope is Shane Lemieux can be back at some point this season. He's still recovering from a gruesome knee injury he suffered last year. He didn't, I believe he also suffered the injury in training camp. So it's been a long recovery for him. They're hoping he gets back at some point. So the left guard spot is a battle between rookie Josh Azidu and Ben Bredesen. We'll see who gets that job. I think the O-line just by adding Evan Neal, and the veterans on the inside, it should be. They're improved. really good on the tackles. Like Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas is a really good young. These are building blocks. Like if you, if those two guys can pay like pan out, like I think Andrew Thomas has already kind of panned out. Like he's looking like a, looking like one of the best tackles, like young tackles in football. And then we'll see how Evan Neal is. Like, Evan Neal will at least be a good run blocker yeah. right out of the gate. We'll see yeah. how he does in pass protection. Every rookie tackle is going to struggle with that. See Andrew Thomas in his rookie year. But Evan Neal does project to be a strong run blocker, run blocker right out of the gate. And they're going to need that because the running backs, 
Saquon and Brita, it is a contract year for Saquon Barkley. What are we going to get out of Saquon? I think this could work out, though. It could be a good relationship between Saquon and Dayball because Dayball's looking at him right now and saying, hey, I don't know what your future is, so I'm going to feed you. And Saquon's saying, hey, feed me so I can build my contract value. I think this could work out. Where If Saquon stays healthy, you could be looking at 300 carries for the guy. And if Saquon's healthy and getting 300 carries... I have to be optimistic about that. They're gonna. I think he's gonna be a huge part of their offense this year. Like they're yeah. gonna. They're gonna run. They're gonna. They spent a second. Was he second overall pick? Yeah. Oh my god! They're, they spent a second overall pick on the guy. They haven't got too much production out of him basically yeah. since his rookie year. Maybe I shouldn't project three hundred carries, but three hundred touches, whether it's carries or passes. I think Saquon's gonna be used a ton in this offense. And the wide receiver room is the most expensive in the NFL. That, that, uh, yeah. that, uh, that's a, that's a yeah. bad nugget. That, uh, that Kenny Galladay contract is looking pretty ugly right now. Yeah. He's the Lane, they, he, nothing but bad news from him out of training camp so far. Lane Johnson that, had more touchdown catches yeah. than Kenny Galladay last year. I sent you that clip of him in preseason. Like he just looks slow. Apparently like he's not running routes well in training camp. They, I'm assuming they would do anything to get out of that contract right now. I agree. The other guys, Kadarius Tony, Slayton, Sterling, Sterling Shepard, and rookie Wandell Robinson. So I wouldn't I think put some a talent. Oh, there. they have a great wide receiver room, in my opinion. I like Wandell Robinson. He's small. He, he's kind of limited in what he can do, I'm but he's real electric. To how Dable uses yeah, this guy. Yeah, he's an electric guy. Kadarius Tony was 13th in yards per route run last year. He with there isn't a player like him in the league with the ball in his hands. He's shifty. He's really talented. Sounds like he kind of got off to a rough start with with Brian, head coach Brian Dable at the beginning of the year, but it sounds like he's doing really well in camp now. He's going to be the number one wide receiver on this offense. I think he should be. I agree. And this is why I'm going to tell you why going into 2022, I am more excited about Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz. I think the improved coaching is going to make the difference for this guy. I'm not going to predict a Josh Allen type leap, which we saw with Dable and Buffalo. But just listen to this. Since he was drafted, Daniel Jones' coach and offensive coordinators have been Pat Shermer, Mike Shula, Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens. Wait, you don't like Freddie Kitchens? (laughs) This guy hasn't even been given a chance. Also throwing the fact that over those three seasons, the New York Giants offensive line averaged out as the 31st in the league over those three years. He has had... The worst coaching and the second worst offensive line, I think, to start his career over the last three years. It can only go up when we're talking about those names as offensive minds in the room. Jason Garrett, like, you draft a guy six overall and the guy you bring in is Jason Garrett yeah, to know. get the most out of him? Like, give I, me a that break. That was one of the worst hirings, like, corner hirings in a long time. I, I, I can buy that. Like, I think just dropping Brian Dable here just changes a lot. He's going to have a huge share in this offense. Really, his offense at Buffalo is awesome. It's exciting, creative. We'll see if he can kind of bring that to Jones. I Again, I don't think Daniel Jones is the future. I think I've seen enough of Daniel Jones to know what he is. I don't think they're going to expect some like big uptick in production, but I do think he's going to be just fine. But I'm assuming they're looking for another starting quarterback after the season. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, new defensive coordinator, Wink Martingale. So we know what that means. 
Blitz, blitz, blitz. Yep. Highest blitz rate over the last four seasons in Baltimore. And I'm a little bit worried about this scheme with their corners. Adoree Jackson is good when healthy, but he's missed 22 games over the last three years. James Bradbury and Logan Ryan walked out the door. Aaron Robinson was a rookie last year. He only played 40% of the snaps. He played pretty well, to be honest, but that 40% number is going to take a huge jump. How does he handle that in his second season? Darnay Holmes, Cordero Flott are in a battle for the slot. Don't, I'm not too high on that. I'm high on Xavier McKinney as a safety, though. I think he, uh, he has a chance to take a step right now. I would label him a star. He has a chance to take the star, the step to superstar status yep. in his second or is this third year? I think it's his third year. He was hurt his first year. Right. So yep. this is his second year on the field, mm-hmm. but third year since being drafted. Change in scheme hopefully helps the defensive line. Aziz Olujari, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, and the fifth overall pick, Kayvon Thibodeau, on paper have serious, serious potential. Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams both really disappointed last season, but hey, guess what? It's contract years for mm-hmm. the big men. I like that for this year. I'm not going to like whoever pays those guys next year. Aziz Ojolari, you like the sack number last year, but overall he was kind of, he got bullied in the run game quite a bit. The hope is with this change in scheme to a more blitz-heavy scheme, that really allows him to just pin his ears back and go do what he does best, which is get after the quarterback. How excited I am about this D-line's potential is uh, exactly how unexcited I am for this linebacker core. Austin Calitro, Trey Crowder, O'Shane, Zymines are three humans I know nothing about. (laughs) Not going to pretend like there's some potential there. I think that is definitely the weakness of this Mm -hmm. unit. Overall, I do think Wink Martindale will get this this defense to improve. The easiest schedule overall will help the scheme because like we mentioned, we mentioned it with Dak Prescott. When you're blitzing good quarterbacks, that's dangerous. When you're blitzing bad quarterbacks, it tends to work. If you look at their schedule, they play more bad quarterbacks than good quarterbacks. So I think that this scheme is going to result in an uptick for the Giants. Overall, I'm high on the Giants in the sense that most, if you ask the average fan, they think the Giants are one of the worst football teams in the NFL I'm not there with them. I think I think they're in that Washington Commanders bucket, seven-win team. Yeah, I again going back to just dropping Brian Dayball on this team, I think just brings like just brings some sort of normalness to to an organization, right? Like and bringing in um in in the Joe Shane, their GM, I think just bring in Buffalo guys is is good was a good uh decision by ownership. Yeah, and I, I didn't really take in the schedule. Like you're right, the schedule, like they have a stretch of Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, Detroit. Like in a four game stretch, like there's there's wins here to be had. Yeah, I think I I might be a tad lower six or seven, but there is a scenario here where this offense, there's always one offense that kind of comes out of nowhere and and catches people by surprise. This Giants offense could be that like there's enough talent here for that to work in with Brian Dayball's creativity. So there is a scenario here where they could definitely win nine, ten games and be the, what the surprising team. Yeah. I don't know how good likely that scenario my, is, but I guess what I would say my prediction for the New York Giants is that in week twelve, week thirteen, they're playing meaningful football games. Yes, yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, I don't really have much else on the Giants. They're uh, they're they're 
they're punting. They're they're from their from the books from the money side. They're punting this season. They're thirty first in cash spending this year. They don't like they're they're kind of what you you said that um, Ryan Poles, the new Bears GM, had to clean up the mess that Ryan Pace made. Joe Shane has to clean up the mess that Dave Gettleman made. So it's going to take a little bit of time. All right. Division preview series is over. That was a lot of fun. Loved, 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 loved the series. If you haven't already, please go back and check out um, older episodes. Really cool episode coming on Thursday. Ariel Hawani is joining the show again, second time on. Big Buffalo Bills fan. So we're going to be talking about the Buffalo Bills preview game. And we're going to be previewing the Buffalo Bills series with my boy Ariel. MMA guy, but he's a huge Bills fan. Love talking to him. Canadian as well. Love having uh, star Canadians on the show. So make sure to check into that. Uh, the Double Drink podcast schedule is going to be a little different this year than it was last year. Probably looking at two to three episodes a week. This is my new job. It's going to be difficult to kind of punch out a lot of episodes. Warner's going to be having a gambling show every Friday. So we're going to get those uh, degenerates out there. You're going to get your gambling, uh, your gambling fix in for you. Probably looking at one preview or one like kind of recap episode and one in the middle. So probably two to three episodes a week. Still going to be bringing great content. Thank you so much for listening all offseason. Next episode, Eric and I will be doing on Friday. We'll be recapping the Buffalo Bills LA Rams game. So Ariel Wani Thursday. And then Friday, Eric and I will be recapping the Bills Rams game. And we'll be giving you our superlatives, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Super Bowl predictions, all that good stuff coming to you on Friday. We will. Talk to you later.